Good morning and welcome back to another episode of Backbench Drivers. I'm your host, John Lawson. This week, Matthew wasn't able to join me. He's on holidays, but instead I've got two great other guests. I've got Ben Shand, uh, better known as the Dusty Bogan, um, up from Queensland. And I've also got Alden Hayes, who is from Western Australia. Um, they're both uh, big political activists. You might have seen their work on Twitter and um, some other platforms such as Telegram that they post on. Um, this week, we're going to be talking about Australia Month, which some of you might have heard of. I recently put out an article on the topic, and um, it's great to have some of the biggest proponents of the idea on this week to talk about it. How are you going, guys? G'day. G'day, mate. Good, thanks. Great to have you guys. Um, so, without further ado, I guess we'll launch right in. Um, Dusty, you started the idea of Australia Month multiple years ago. What gave you the yeah. idea? Why did you get that going? I reckon, I mean, like, you guys would know I work for Censored TV. And it's, uh, there's one of these things, like, oh, January, I always want to do an Australia Day episode, right? And then it's the end of the, it's the end of the month. And then you're like, I was, I was sort of thinking to myself, like, how the heck can I, do something Australiana in January, you know what I mean, without like having to on the day record something and put it out. It's too much of a rush job. And then it just made sense. Like, you know, I think a maid or someone I seen, you know, there there has been a good culture of people on um January first, Federation Day, you know, happy Federation Day, New Year. And then, you know, it's just it seems logical to me. You take it from there federation day all the way to the 26th of january and everyone's pushing for a month and it's perfect it makes perfect sense that january is australia month i know jesse lee peterson has white history month in um i think it is the fourth of july around july in america and you know and you've got the gays and the trans and the bar and the you know african americans everyone has I think America, they do more like a Black History Month, Gay History Month, White History Month, something, you know. But for Australia, January is Australia Month. There is already like a cultural undertone for January to be Australia Month. So it's just sort of like working off the back of what's already taking place. Like it's summer, people go on the beach, people are barbecuing, people are playing cricket. It's Australia, people are in the pool. It's Australiana. We're actually doing it. But you know what I mean? You chuck that hashtag Australia Month on your post in January and you bang. And we're like, we're right there to change the culture, especially when the Aboriginal lobby is lobbying to get to change the date for Australia Day. And it's like, I completely oppose them. I love Australia Day. And I think. Instead of being on the defensive, take it to the offensive and and take the whole month. Like we want the whole month, and we don't care. You know they want to they want to get rid of Australia Day, but it's like nah, mate. We're taking the whole month of January as Australia Month, and this is the cultural grassroots. It's happening as a cultural phenomenon. Do you know what I mean? That's where we're starting this. Yeah, absolutely. Before we can change politics, we really do have to change people's minds. Um, a lot of people go through the school system, they learn this, uh, what Keith Winshuttle calls a black armband understanding of Australian history. 
um, which is that um, basically Aboriginal victims, whites uh, persecuted them. And um, I think Australia Month is a great way to change that narrative um, from a grassroots level, like you mentioned. Hayes, why did you get interested in the campaign? How many years have you been celebrating? Um, so not so much Australia Month, um, but Australia Day as a whole has always been a very special time in my family. Um, I, I, as you may have seen on uh, Twitter a couple of days ago, I actually made a post about it. Um, even as a child, like it was always barbecues with family and friends. Um, I have incredible happy memories of my first uh, Australia Day. I think it may have actually been the first of the modern Australia days um, on the South Bank um, foreshore over in Brisbane. Um, it was a rather special day um, for my entire family. The whole foreshore was packed, the fireworks, the music, just everything screamed Australiana. So when um, Dusty actually reached out to me at the begin, uh, just before, just after Christmas, sorry, and uh, floated the idea to me. And as soon as I read the message, I was like, yep, I'm on board for this. This is exactly what we need in bringing the heart back to our culture where Australia is Australian. We're, we're not some conglomerate of different demographics. Like, we're all one people. Like, um, And it just worked so perfectly, as Dusty said before. Like, every other demographic in the world at this point has their own individual month um, to celebrate them. Well, it's high time we as Australians had a month to celebrate ourselves. Yeah, 100%. Um, I think that's right. We've got a great culture. We've got a brilliant history, um, and it's something that needs to be brought into the public consciousness. Um, so how have you guys in past years celebrated Australia Month? Dusty, I know you do some activism from year to year. Uh, this year you did another banner drop. Um, which was, you know, spectacular over a bridge. Um, I've seen you've done that in previous years. How do you normally do it? Yeah. I mean, hey, you've got kids. And here's like a thing about January and Australia Day. Like as, you, as I've grown up with Australia Day even, it was always, you know, it was beers and a barbecue and a game of cricket down the river with me mates and jumping in the water. And it would get hectic and it would get out of control with the boys. And as you get older and you've got kids, it's like Australia Day has evolved for me that it's more of a – it's something I do with my kids. Like, I, you know, as a father, you want your children to celebrate Australia Day. So you can't be like, sorry, but, you know, go off with your mates for the day. You've got to stay home with the kids. Or And we have a big family barbecue and we're in the pool and it's backyard cricket and it's more of a family event. But, like, this is where Australia Month – happens where we can extend that celebration and you can have multiple like times to go celebrate with your mates apart from your family and as a father and a parent you gotta do all that appropriately you know work around with your missus and with your kids and make sure you're not being a you know prioritize what's right but you know, just like Christmas, I think this is important for people to understand, like just like Christmas, you have a work Christmas party, then you have, you know, a Christmas party with your circle of friends and then a, and then maybe a Christmas party with your missus circle of friends and then you do, you know, Christmas with your missus family and then Boxing Day with your family. And you kind of actually get like four or five Christmases, you know what I'm saying? Like that's actually how my family does it. And then 
it's like take that's Australiana as well in itself, but you take the principle of that and you roll it into January and it's like during January you can map out that calendar and say, bang, this weekend it's beach weekend, the next weekend it's a backyard cricket game with the boys, the weekend after it's, you know, the uh, a, ga- a go fishing or something and then bang, it's, it's actually Australia Day. And it's more of a family do, but like I love just the practical side of actually doing Australiana. You know what I mean? Like, because there's there is the cultural side of this. Like, there's the modern culture of it, and then there's like we've got a great history to talk about. You know what I mean? Uh, Arthur Phillips, Captain Cook, going through Federation going through all that and then you've got like all the inventors and the awesome Australian like there's all these dynamics of Australian culture like Hayes you posted this morning about the um, lawnmower and uh, you know like all these mad inventions like the ute was invented in this country an Australian invented uh, the pacemaker and the hearing aid and like the list goes on you know yeah, exactly. Um, that's exactly what I was thinking. So I think personally, I don't know about you guys, I think you might have a bit of a difference of opinion on this one, but um, I think that Australia Month is important to remember sort of our higher culture in that um, the things like that we invented, that we pioneered, that we explored and um, created such as the nation itself through federation, um, rather than focusing it too much on the sort of rowdy, celebrations that we've uh sort of had australian culture stigmatized as you know um australian culture all it is is footy meat pies and drinks um i think that australian month is a good opportunity to show that's actually more than that we have a christian basis for our whole culture um we have a great civic tradition we have um you know really intellectual geniuses that created our country they set it up in um, a way that they knew would be stable um, for example, with the 1901 uh, Immigration Restriction Act, which came right after Federation. Um, and these are all things that we need to bring back into the mainstream and acceptance within Australia. That's what I feel. Um, what do you think, Hayes? Um yeah, look, uh, I, I think it's incredibly important, um, especially around the the um, the, the federalising of our nation uh, back in 1901. Um, that's why I did a, a small piece um, earlier in the month on um, uh, uh, Henry Parks. Uh, the uh, he's counted as um, the father of federation. He basically um, set down the groundworks of what our constitution looks like today. Um, it's the biggest issue is bringing it into the mainstream where uh, people are going to uh, accept these facts um, after having been spoon fed the narratives that they have been over the, in particular, the last 20 years. I only say the last 20 years because that's my living memory growing up. Um and it's uh, it's all very anti-Australian. It's all very anti-colonialism. It's all very anti-our forefathers and being ashamed of who we are. And I think that's actually a great detriment to our country. 
if we can't have our own past, how are we supposed to construct a present and future that we're actually proud in? Um, really, the opposition to what we're saying says we need to throw that all out. We need the voice to parliament. That was sort of their solution to uh, our history. They wanted to write it again. They wanted to do voice treaty truth. Um, and so I think this, uh, as I outlined in my article, Australia Month is a great follow-up to the no vote winning. So uh, Australia en masse uh, rejected this telling of our history. They didn't feel that uh, the way things were could be rectified by um, an advisory panel made up of Aboriginals. So um, instead, you know, they said no. Now we're taking that to the next level with Australia Month. Um, we're, we're putting the next step forward in that we're actually saying not only are we not ashamed of our history, we're actually proud of it. Um, we're proud of who we are. We're not ashamed that we're white and we're not ashamed that we're a Christian. And um, I think that that's, that's really important for Australia Month. Um, I think that maybe we could talk about some of the people we've gotten involved in the campaign. We've had uh, pretty widespread support. Um, I think the biggest name so far has been Malcolm Roberts of One Nation. Uh, he's a senator. We've also had historians, uh, authors, streamers. And why do you think that um, the idea of Australia Month got such uh, widespread acceptance, guys? Why do you think that that um, really caught the imagination of so many Australians, the right-wing Australians especially? Yeah, I, I reckon, like, if you have a good idea, it can take off. Do you know what I mean? And it is, it's a good idea and it's like a, com I think a lot of people feel instinctively like, wow, this just makes sense, number one. And, and you become like, you know, as soon as you go, wow, it's Federation Day, you start the year and you go, holy crap. And that just awakens in your heart and mind as an Australian, a sense of pride. And I think you can, that's how we sort of started this campaign. You know what I mean? I was on, I was texting Malcolm Roberts and a few other guys and I was like, hash, uh, Australia month, Mal, you know, Malcolm, I explained it to him. He said, that's a great idea. He didn't actually say he was going to post about it, but I feel like it is a powerful idea and it makes sense. And when you feel you know, when you think about Federation Day and you might even just see an old video or you might, we sort of came to realise there's a Federation flag that, um, and you just get to see these aspects of the culture. It just sets it off. I think it's set off a lot of people who have heard of the idea and you go, wow, and you just run, you run from there. But what I love about this, it's like there's guys who, Everyone's got their own perspective and way of doing things, you know what I mean? I'm the dusty bogan. I like to knock about. I'm a working-class concreter, you know what I mean? I've got my – I am a Christian as well. So I've got my my perspective, but then you've got all these other guys adding on that historical element and, you know, who are great writers and communicate things on so many different levels. And then we're just appreciating this whole – this whole concept and now we've it become it's becoming the living culture you know what i mean you can just you can see it and you can feel it and i do believe like we're gonna we're gonna set this up to be an annual thing you know i think for myself um in my opinion, the, the biggest thing that that's helped it it's it sort of the heights it currently has is 
as you, as you mentioned earlier, with, with the voice to parliament, that was about one demographic. Australia Month is about stra- celebrating Australia and Australiana. It's something for everyone that calls themselves an Australian. So it's something that everyone can get behind. And I think that's why we're seeing so many high-profile and a lot larger uh, platforms than myself or Dusty jumping on board with the idea and being, you know what, this is actually great. Um, as you say, um, Federation Day, um, we saw uh, the likes of Stephen Shavora jump on board. Um, I saw Malcolm Roberts actually did put out a post for Australian Month. Um, and you see all these other small accounts, because I, I do spend a fair bit of time on Twitter going through, following the hashtag, having a look at what's being said about it and things like that. And there is just an outpouring of support from everyday quiet Australians because it's something we can all get behind and we can all celebrate as one nation. I think uh, some of the best proof of the popular support is that the petition is currently at three over 320 um, people who have signed it. I think we need to get that number up. Um, but yeah, the, we've, we've been sharing the tweets to the t.me slash Australia Month Telegram channel. Um, anyone really that um, puts out a good post, I've been trying to share it there. Um, and yeah, I think it, the reason it's really been successful is because it's a palatable uh, message to a broad range of Australians, um, especially across the right. We've really united everyone. Um, and so I think what we need to do next is make sure that it actually gets solidified into real change. What that's going to require is us going to uh, minor and major parties and putting forward the idea that they propose a bill. I think that's that's my victory conditions personally for this campaign. If we get the any party really to put forward some piece of legislation, um, even if it doesn't get through, I think that's demonstration that um, by uniting, we can actually push through some of our agendas onto politics. Um, we're not just out here tweeting stuff and um, you know putting uh, pamphlets in mailboxes. We're actually affecting politics at the highest level, um, which is what it's going to take, I think, to solidify it within the culture and take it to the next level. Um, what are you guys' opinion? Yeah, well, so yesterday we went out and we letterbox dropped. Um, we actually went to Anastasia Palaget's electorate. Even though she's no longer the Premier, Premier of Queensland, I do like to go in there. She's going to have a by-election later in the year. So we like to st- – I hope, you know, we got to stick it to her. But, yeah, we went We went letterbox drop. The first people we spoke to in Anala were keen and liked the idea. You know what I mean? One guy, we did, we did a bit of a questionnaire. We got him to sign the petition. Then we went – did a few banner drops, went into the city. Now, we we had a beer at the pub and then we went and stood in King George Square and we got people to sign a physical petition, right? And we were there for about an hour and we got, we got 12 signatures in an hour, right? But you think about this. So it, I probably asked 50 people, probably asked someone once a minute, and one in four people were like, yes, that's a great idea. I'd love to sign. And these people were also happy to be on camera. They were actually passionate about it. They liked the idea. So I think what an hour of one person, me and my cameraman, standing on the street, what that demonstrates is there is a huge appetite for this. 
And when you have like this petition with 300 um, signatures on it and my physical petition in an hour, you know, that like you, you look at like statistically, if you had a, if you blew that out and you got to ask a million Aussies, I guarantee it we're going to be looking at similar to the voice getting a mass pop mass amount of the population a majority of the population who would be keen for this idea so i think we've got we actually do have a strong case even though you, like i can take my my personal experience of an hour yesterday getting a physical people signing a physical petition you 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 times that times a million I think we're gonna we're gonna see this. There's a big appetite for this. Hayes, uh, you got anything to add to that? Um, no, I think Dusty's covered that that pretty well. Um, I, I think the big issue is is um, getting one of the parties on board because um, obviously both sides of the aisle, um, depending on which side you stand on. Um, don't exactly have great optics with the other side at this point. Um, so how we go about getting it, it at least as proposed legislation is the true battle. Yeah, 100%. Um, I think we've already got a little bit of interest expressed from One Nation. Um, I know you two have some um, involvement in the party or past involvement. And um, I think, we probably could also get the Libertarian Party on board. I've seen them showing a little bit of interest. Um, the trouble would be getting it into the Liberal Party um, or even as a broader idea, getting uh, these cultural changes into the, the major parties. They're so insulated from the population that it doesn't really matter what popular support says. Um, but I think uh, I would take it as a win if any of the minor parties propose this because it shows that uh, we can sort of wield them to uh, push forward some actual um, beneficial legislation or even ideas because we've seen, I, I think some of the people in this chat can agree, One Nation really feels like it has stagnated and gone backwards since its founding um, and there's not much that can really be changed without changing the mind of the leadership. Um, that would be probably Pauline Hanson and uh, Malcolm Roberts. So um, by demonstrating this popular support with the petition, with the hashtag, um, with people putting out uh, letterbox drops and uh, contacting the, the members of, the one, of one Nation, um, that this would be the most effective way. Um, what are your guys' thoughts? I think, I think, like, so, like, I've built a personal friendship with Malcolm Roberts over the years, going to a lot of protests. And, um, like, you know, it's one of these things I don't want to overstep that personal friendship. And, you know what I mean? When you got a politician's number, it's sort of you want to respect them and respect the friendship. But I know, I know I'm going to see him soon. And I always like to do the personal friendship conversation i'm going to take the physical petition i'm going to film him signing it i'm going to film us talking about it. now this will probably happen next month but i'm always a i'm a firm believer that we have to be in the long haul this might take 10 years and we need to you know we start something and we need to stick to it because you know like when 
I've volunteered for One Nation over five, six election cycles. I'm going to volunteer for them again this year in the state election in Queensland and next year there's a federal election. And um, you know what? Like many times we, we had the wins with Malcolm Roberts getting in in the Senate, right? And that was so good. I was volunteering with him and then he lost that. Uh, he lost that seat because of dual citizenship, right? Then I volunteered him with him on a state election. He didn't get that. But the next federal election, he got up again. And th- and then since then, I've volunteered on two One Nation uh, campaigns and we lost. So you win some and you lose some, but if you keep at it, like my mindset is this, the Greens almost run a candidate on every seat and 90 8% of them seats lose, but every year they keep going for it, right? And I guarantee it, they never sit there and go, mm, next year we're not going to run. Next year we're not going to have a go. They have a go and they're always at it. And this can be the problem with the right. Well, it's, it's something we're learning. I think we relied on the establishment right, which was the LNP, right? But we've had to break ranks and we're having to go another route, you know what I mean? And we're sort of breaking ground afresh and we're learning the campaign way of campaigning. And, like, you have to take a long-term stance and you have to take put all, all options on the table. And that's letterbox drops, it's banners, it's petitions, it's emailing your local members, it's building community you know it's being practical um yeah we have to we have to use all aspects the physical you know physically building each one of us need to build a network of mates and mates who you can then say boy we have to volunteer you have to if you can prove to one nation that over 10 years every you know, every election, state or federal, you've got that back and you're going to volunteer and you've got a network of mates. They're going to listen to you when you put a petition in their hand or you email them or you send them a text, you know what I mean? And they see you on the social media. Like, this is the real world. you got to use everything you've got, everything you've got, social media, the petitions, the letterbox drops, the road siding, the banners, you know, banner drops. And and we're doing it like we're doing it, and we've got to be at this long term. Yeah, I agree. You know? um, personally, I think that the most effective is actually joining up in a party, a party. I'd say liberal or one nation, whatever's going to be more successful in your area. And um, from there, you can your, you know your opinion as a private citizen means very little. Even as a private citizen with a social media account, uh, means very little. But once you're in the party, suddenly that holds weight and um, can actually sway things. So we need more people. I know my audience, um, especially, uh, does not even close to align with any minor party, major party, or anything like that. Um, we feel that they've all uh, really missed the mark. They've been missing the mark for a long time. So um, I think voting is not going to change it. You've got to join yourself. You've got to get in there. And um, at worst case scenario, you learn. That's pretty much it. And we can um, build something from there. But um, we need people within the parties to bring them around to um, our way of thinking. So, like, this, so like get, get this, I guess, right. Like, me and my wife, we volunteered for local youth and young adults through our church. For eight years, we did 
over two and a half thousand hours volunteering each, right? So like there's something I've learned about volunteering or going after something and I do believe the trick is you've got to have a good time, number one. So like when like what you just said was yes, sign up at the political party, right? Sign up, pay the fifty dollars membership. I recommend One Nation. They have a net zero immigration policy they've got a right to life policy they've got you know if you look at their policies online it's as best as you can get it's not perfect but it's the best we've got and sign up become a member pay the 50 bucks and then here's this 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 is a conviction that's helped me you know thick and thin you got to have a good time build a network of mates when you go out to do something or how you use your social media. Don't burn yourself out, but make sure it's a win-win. So win or lose, you're building mateship. You're building mates. You're having a good time. You know, it's a it's real friendships, real connections. Like Australiana is the idea of mateship and like the Anzacs. How do they get through all that? You know, how to how does a concreter work till I work with sixty a sixty-eight year old concreter? How can he do that? Because he has mateship every day, working his guts out in the hot sun, and it's having a laugh and having a good time that actually keeps him going. You know what I mean? He's working through retirement. You know what I'm saying? So we've got to be like, there's all these elements of being a happy warrior that really will get us from you know where we're at to where we where we want to turn the country around and you gotta you gotta think about it from that super practical level you know what i'm saying yeah it's um it's certainly something we've got to be in the long haul for um the left didn't move the overton window overnight they've done it over the last decade or two um it's gonna take us that long maybe even a bit longer to take it back as well um i definitely think getting out and getting involved in a political party is um is worthwhile but just becoming a member isn't enough as dusty said you've actively got to be involved if you're not involving yourself you're still just a nobody like yeah sure you pay a membership but what weight does your voice actually have if you're not participating? Um, <clears throat> it's it really is a complex situation because obviously, as as you were saying, John, um, a, a lot of your listeners, viewers, etc., um, <clears throat> don't believe that um, the the political parties represent us. Well, the only way to get that representation is to be a part of them, to take part and take it back. Um, the, and the only way you're going to do that is by involving yourself. Yeah, exactly. It's like Dusty said, we have to treat it like a job. Um, it's well, more like a mission, I suppose. Uh, if, if we don't change our country in this generation, um, it's, this is probably the last generation that we can at all. Um, it's not going to get any better from here. We're only going to get more politically disenfranchised. Um, our share of the population is only going to shrink further. Um, the power of lobbies is only going to increase over our, our, our politics. Um, and, yeah, so we have to be the ones trying to build the alternative or change the parties from the inside. Um, really, either way, I, I, I 
think that um, if you think that the major parties aren't going to work, you still have to join because where is the alternative going to come from? It's going to be a splinter of probably the Liberal Party. And um, we want our guys to be the ones that are, you know, splintering off and forming a new party eventually if that happens. Or alternatively, um, changing hearts and minds and bringing the party around to our side. Um, that, that includes the minor parties as well. Um, so I think that more or less wraps up that topic. Did we want to talk about um, what our plans are going forward um, in not only the next couple of months, but also in years to come? I know Dusty has some big plans. Uh, did you want to outline some of them or are they still under wraps, Dusty? I, like, I, I do believe this. Uh, so, look, like I said, volunteered two and a half thousand hours over eight years in a local church. I was a member of the Proud Boys, one of the founding members of the Proud Boys. We had, you know, eight chapters across the country, hundreds of members. I'm no longer a member of the Proud Boys, but I'll tell you what, I love the club, love the boys. And you can go to proudboysau.club if you want to become a member. And your local chapter will look up you. But I've, I can take my experience from what I've done volunteering from church and in the Proud Boys. And something I do believe is it's like you, you we have to treat each other like we're mates, right? Treat each other with respect. I respect you two men and what we've done through Australia Month and how we're going to actually take this this sort of network of mates and go on to the next the next topic, the next event and the next event. It's got to be through mateship. Because if you have a mate, a friendship is voluntary. You don't take each other for granted. You don't just start, you know, talking to each other like shit. You're like, no, no, this person can tell me to fuck off and walk away if they want at any time. So, ab, you know, mateship is a is when you do respect each other do you know what i'm saying and it's not like we so i do think there's a foundation of australiana culture that we do have in us all that's going to help us continue you know what I mean? it's having a good time together it's uh having that community but having that respect you know what i mean because sometimes people can treat treat each other like it's a workplace or a uh, you know what I mean? And it's not that I don't know can, you know, you can inspire each other as mates and move forward. But, yeah, so hashtag Australia Month. We've got momentum there. I do believe this, that Lent is coming up. I think we need to move into, I look at a calendar. I've been working for Sensor TV for three years. And I look at it, I look at my calendar and I go, what's coming up? What can we talk about? Um, and what is our cultural, you know, they're like cultural lighthouses and they've been there for a long time and they are what function for Westerners, for Christians, for Australians, you know, for Europeans and Americans. And, you know, these are our Christmas, our Australia Day, Australia Month, uh, uh, Lent, Easter, Anzac Day, and we really have to like, we really have to say these are the cultural foundations that have been installed as, you know, through generations for a reason because it says a lot about 
how we operate as people, how we operate as individuals, and how we operate as a community. And if we want, if we can see the country isn't going in the right direction, we can use these, you know, lighthouses that are shining a light in the darkness and showing us a way to con- conduct ourselves as individuals and in a community and in a family and in a you know, a marriage or as fathers or as mates. And we've got to do it. We've got to look at I do believe I do believe the next one's gotta be around Lent. Because we've all enjoyed Christmas and we've all enjoyed Australia month. And we've you know, you you you're eating and you're drinking a lot more and it is it is a very uh celebration centered time of year. But then you can start the year with a like fasting for Lent. And you can sort of get back that discipline that's going to uh, refocus ourselves and strengthen ourselves spiritually and physically. And this is something that's not just for, for Christians because I think like Europeans and people who have historically had a Christian heritage, like that is our culture. As Westerners, Christianity is the cultural foundation of, of the West and other other countries, other people. Uh, but you have to look at, like when Jordan Peterson came to, go, you know, goes on a speaking tour and he has so many young men who are hungry for discipline. You know, they're hungry for someone who says, uh, toughen up, you know, look look the, the dragon in the eyes and take on the problems. And it's through like self discipline, and it's through this sort of, uh, and there, and there's something in there like I'm, si- uh, you know, I like the idea of sober October and no wanks, uh, no what well, no not November, right? It's a good thing, but there's a traditional cultural um, time to be more disciplined, and that's Easter. That's the lead up to Easter, and that's Lent. Do you know what I'm saying? So, I ho- I hope we can. I think that is it's some that's another thing that I've been doing year in and year out. And Lent has always brought to me like after Lent, I'm always like last year I said to I prayed to God for Lent and I said, God, like I'm a concrete, I'm a father, I'm working two jobs and you get tired, you get injured, you get sick and you go I'm a bit exhausted, but in deep inside me I go is there something more, God, you can use me to do, right? And that was what I prayed for last year in Lent. I said, is there something more I can do? Even though I felt, I did, I felt tired, exhausted. And and I, honestly, that, that prayer sort of came true for me. And every year I do Lent, there is this supernatural side of it. And I think there's something there that we can, as Australians, as Westerners, as Europeans, we need to, tap back into this these cultural lighthouses that are there and they're like you know there's a tradition there that's screaming out to us hey hey i'm right here you can jump on jump on this bandwagon and it can shift things into an into a direction i guarantee you mate the left and the demons out there don't want you doing lent they don't want you fasting yeah no you're absolutely right we um Unfortunately, the whole country has become less Christian over time, um, and even this has infected our side of politics. 
I think first we need to, we, I think whatever we're focusing on next, among other things, we also have to include the focus on re-Christianizing the right. And then um, from there, we can go on and re-Christianize the whole country. Um, but yeah, no, it's a, it's a good message. Uh, it depends. We'll have to see what form a potential campaign will look like. I think there will be a bit of fatigue maybe after Australia month. Um, but I think as a general sentiment, um, you're 100% correct. We, the, the right needs to become Christian again. Um, nothing matters if we're not doing it for God. Um, ultimately, everything, our people, our country, the, the beautiful nature, it'll all perish, it'll all pass away. Um, but the souls of the people living here, that's the only really thing that's eternal. We've got to, um, we've got to bring people back to Christ. And, um, while we do everything else, while we, you know, put an end to immigration, while we secure our, um, our foreign policy position and, um, we, we do all these other things, we have to bring Christ back into the lives of Australians. Um, I think that absolutely has to be central. We have to, um, it, it perturbs me that we live in a nation with where there is no solution proposed from our side to how we are one day going to end abortion again. Where, where's the where's the Liberal Party um, plan to end abortion? Whether it takes five years, ten years campaigning or social, um, you know, get, getting people on board with it uh, morally, socially before they can actually put in a political solution. Um, unfortunately, there doesn't seem to be anything like that from the right. Even the churches, um, I, I don't want to take any hits at them, but, um, you know, increasingly they have become sort of silent in their addresses to the public regarding a lot of moral causes. Um, Dusty, you might be able to speak to this from a Protestant perspective. I've seen, um, especially with the LGBTQ issue, that's definitely become yeah. a problem for Protestants, oh. which, um, you know, I'm not a Protestant. But um, it, yeah. it is a it is a shame to see any Christian um, going that way because they're being led astray. Really, I'll tell you about the abortion. Right, so there there's been like studies, and I've said how many people right get this. It's there's a huge percentage of our parents and grandparents were the result of shotgun weddings. Back in the day, you knock some, you had a three minute wrestling match on a Friday night after a few, you know, with a Hot, the hottest Sheila you've ever seen in your life because you've drank 10 beers. And the next morning, you know, after a three-minute wrestling match, you've gone, you you know, let's just say a few months later, she knocks on your door and I'm pregnant. Well, guess what, mate? What we used to do, and, and I'm telling you that half the, you could say half the people, half of our grandparents were the, were, the result of a shotgun wedding because when the Sheila knocked on your door and she said, I'm pregnant, your, you know, granddad's mates, his dad, his uncles, his cousins, her cousins, her, her brothers, everyone said, you're getting married. It wasn't, and this is the thing about a shotgun wedding. We pointed the shotgun at the bloke and we said, it's your head, mate, or you've got to do the right thing. And what we've done is we've taken the shotgun off the bloke's head and we've put it on the baby. Now, this is absolutely disgusting, but there is a cultural pressure, a cultural bottleneck that we need to just realise, like, hey, this was, the, this was the personal responsibility was a thing. 
you know what I mean, in the culture and people are looking for an easy way out. And we need to get back to a shotgun wedding. And it's cultural. It's a cultural foundation, you know what I mean? Everyone now wants the iPhone fast food drive through I want it now. I want it super easy. Oh, it shouldn't be this hard, you know. But when your mate knocks up a, ch- you know, I have, I was a youth leader, like I was saying, for eight years. Kids, these kids, these young men and young women knock on my door years later, and they say we're pregnant, and we say congratulations, you're going to have a baby, and and they never get told, oh go see a doctor because a lot of these people young people these days your circumstances aren't right you were not even in a solid relationship excuses excuses but i pat them on the back and and just say just have the baby because that the studies that they have from the past on shotgun weddings uh they they always they said that 85 percent of shotguns weddings resulted in happy marriages and multiple children so you know that when you fell in love with her at the pub with you know a six pack under your belt and it was good enough for three minute wrestling match well you know what this is the design mate like this is the way we're actually designed like if if she's good enough on a friday night chances are if you if you do have it in you to have have a bit of personal responsibility you can actually make it work and you can have a functioning marriage and you can have multiple children and i i do believe shotgun weddings are the answer on that topic not not that we're going to use a physical shotgun but the idea is is changing our changing the attitude or talking about just being responsible all right hey so i wouldn't pass it on to you did you want to add anything not necessarily on that topic, but maybe more broadly. Well, look, for, for us over the next 12 months um, over here, because um, obviously we're, we're considerably smaller over here in, in WA, um, we have a total state population equivalent to maybe just the city of Sydney. Um, so we're there. There's far less people to try and work with over here. Um, this the, the next 12 months for, for us over here is about recruitment. Um, we want to try and find a lot of these young guys that are disenfranchised, that are, uh, are lost and doubting themselves into how they go about getting involved and, and being a part of something bigger than themselves and trying to bring them into the fold and show them there is a way forward. So that's a big focus for us over here in the the next 12 months. Um, for myself personally, um, I'm really looking forward to March. Um, I will be over in Brisbane for a little over a fortnight. Um, I'm coming over for the Church and State Conference. Um, I know Dusty's coming down for that as well. Um, that's going to be a great weekend. Um, I'm genuinely looking forward to it. Um, I'm even bringing my daughters along for it because um, they're pretty keen to get a little bit more involved. Um, uh, look, and as to the um, the uh, abortion issue um, and in regards to the churches, well, that may be the case over east. It's, um, it's a bit of a different story here in the west. Um, there are more than a handful of churches um, that are very much standing up to the whole um, abortion and LGBT 
LGBTQ um, issue, uh, in particular that one of the churches that I attend, um, in their in their own membership policy, it's the the whole LGBT thing is not an issue for that church because they outline it very very clearly. Marriage is between a man and a woman, and you do not get to change your sex. Um, they're very clear about it, and I thank them greatly because they're one of the true warrior churches that we have over here for Christ. Um, there are another couple of them as well that work with um, the Australian Christian Party over here. Um, uh, about halfway through last year, um, some of you guys may have seen it. I, I, I believe Dusty did see it. Um, uh, I actually attended the um, the um, uh, Protect Babies Born Alive uh, town hall that uh, was run over here because uh, at the time um, state parliament was trying to change our abortion laws over here. Uh, we At one point we had the strongest abortion laws in the nation, now we have some of the weakest because unfortunately everything we petitioned for and tried to get included in these changes got shot down. Um <clears throat> It's um it's actually rather despicable and it's it's horrifying some of the changes that they made to our legislation over here. Um in particular one of the ones that they um they they changed was they refused to add in um rights for children that actually survive the abortion process because here in Western Australia alone since 2011 31 children have survived the abortion process and have been left to die with no medical intervention. Now, I don't know about you guys, but that the moment I heard about this, I was absolutely horrified, and I threw my full weight behind it and did everything I possibly could to cover the subject and try and get as many signatures onto the petition as possible. Um, because, like... The, the simple fact that um, they changed the legislation here as well to where doctors and nurses cannot even conscientiously object to performing abortions here in Western Australia anymore. So we've gone from having some of the strongest to some of the weakest abortion laws in the nation. And it's, uh, honestly, it's a detriment to our culture. It's a detriment to our society. and It's a detriment to our country. As Dusty said about shotgun weddings, um, that's the biggest issue we have in this nation today is where we don't do what is right. We do what is convenient. And that's what's currently shaping yeah, no, our you're nation. Yeah, 100% correct. And they make up the shortfall for the babies killed with uh, bringing in immigrants from other countries that um, aren't, well, I, I've, I'll say, but they aren't Australian. So we're, we're, we're getting rid of Australians to put in uh, people from all these diverse backgrounds that it actually uh, ends up, well, they, they say that uh, immigration is a net benefit to the economy um, and that any sort of incentive to have more kids as an alternative to bringing in mass immigration would be too costly. Well, here's your solution. You cut abortion altogether and suddenly you've got a free way to increase the birth rate. So I get, get this. Uh, I was at uh, One Nation, did a speaking tour in Ipswich, I went to their event. It was on a Friday night. The next day was the pro-life, cherished life rally, Brisbane City. And it was a Q&A time. And I said, Malcolm, they were talking about uh, the mass immigration and they were talk One Nation was talking about the net zero immigration policy. I put up my hand in the q and I said, Malcolm, how you going, mate? And I said, yes, your net zero 
policy says that you would let in 70,000 immigrants per annum and with, you know, declining birth rates, this would keep that level of immigration plus there's a certain amount of immigrants that leave Australia every year. It would work out net zero. And I said, Malcolm, do you know how many children are aborted in in Australia every year? And I said, did you know if we could reduce, if them abortions didn't occur, you would have net population growth instead of decline. You wouldn't need the immigrants. And Malcolm started talking about it. He started talking about their policies and he started talking about their uh, right to life abortion policy and their net zero immigration policy. It was awesome. It was awesome. And then as he's finished his speech, his, uh, you know, his talking on topic, I put my hand up again. I said, well, Malcolm, are you going to come to Cherish Life protest tomorrow? And he said, yes, I will. You will see me there tomorrow. So, you know, this is an, this is an example of I'm not sure if Malcolm knew that this protest was on. Do you know what I mean? I wasn't sure if he was actually going to be there until, I, you know, in the Q&A I had the opportunity to get him in that situation to talk about it amongst his people. And then he attended the next day and we got an interview the next day and we got to share yeah, nice. it. It was um, brilliant. Yeah, I guess it's the only way that we're actually going to be able to affect change if we do it ourselves, if we get involved. We, um, you know, we, we drag the parties kicking and screaming to recognising the problems that face our nation um, because, unfortunately, uh, as Hayes might be able to attest, uh, One Nation is what it once was. Um, he, he said on the Christian issues to me before, that um, they've become increasingly lax in terms of LGBT. Um, and uh, as a lot of people from my audience will note, they've become incredibly lax on their anti-immigration stance and their anti-multicultural stance. It's taken a backseat um, from their peak in, uh, at their founding when uh, Pauline went to Parliament and spoke about um, the glut of foreign immigration that we're getting um, that was going to demographically replace white Australians. Um, but, yeah, so it, it, unfortunately, in a lot of ways, uh, there is no party that represents us. That's why we're going to have to do it ourselves, um, and we all have to get involved in the parties. And like Dusty proved in this example, um, by, by being active, you can actually uh, affect change. Um, was there anything else that we wanted to add? Maybe on the Australian Month topic, we strayed quite a bit. Hmm. Well, I think, like, you know what, like, around the abortion topic, I have to say, like, if you talk, if you think about socialism, right, I would say on this topic, I am a socialist. I believe that we, to lower abortion rates in Australia, I could imagine this, and I often say when I talk to people on the streets, and they'll be pro-choice, and I'll say, do I need to reduce your ability to have an abortion to radically decrease the amount of abortions that are happening in the country because what we could do is through socialism and I'm talking about increasing maternity leave to let's say 12 months let's how about if we had something that after 12 months a woman could return to work but we made a commonplace uh, workplace agreements for something like five-day fortnights for women with young children, and the government could maybe even subsidise their superannuation so that they would contribute 
top up their super so it would be equivalent to them working a full-time 30, 80-hour week. So there's this is, I really do believe these are the, and if you have Australians who aren't having children and they're working and they're paying taxes and they didn't, they'd never decided to have kids. Well, guess what? They have to fund the future of Australia. Their taxes have to be prioritised for the next generation of Australians coming through. And we have to prioritise our children because the cost of living has increased radically. We know house prices have increased dramatically. They're saying on average now your wage to mortgage is something like four times more expensive, even with lower interest rates than it was in the 80s. So, like, these are real cost of living increases that you want to have, you want to help young people that they could, because, you know, 30% of abortions are actually married, people who are married, who already have two or three children who say, we can't afford number three, we can't afford number four child. We can't upgrade to the seven-seater car. And, like, if we increase maternity leave to a reasonable, you know, a reasonable amount of time, I think 12 months is, it's an investment for the nation. And there there are so many, um, there's all these studies on a child being at home with the mother for minimum first 12 months lowers the child's uh, cortisol levels, lowers the stress levels, and it long-term will increase the IQ of the child. So we're like, some people are sending their children to daycare. Day one, I've got mates who, husband and wife, are both professionals earning a lot of money, and it's 12 weeks after maternity leave, they're straight into daycare. These children are going into a, it's a high-stress situation for a little child. And it's not good for the future development of Australians, you know what I'm saying? So there's, it's an investment into these children in the future also being having greater economic capacity to be future taxpayers. We, you know, you, you get a child and look at look what's happened. You know, we can look at the Indigenous communities and African-American communities where you've got single-parent homes, even the Bogan community, single-parent homes, kids getting raised without a dad and they're in a high stress situation what happens is these demographics have a high rate of incarceration mental health and drug abuse in the future and it is all it's it's it is related to early years there's uh you go down to one income there's financial stress there's uh pressures on a on a family that can result in couples to break up and to then have single parent homes so there's like this huge uh, social issue around this topic and it's connected to cost of livings and you know we need to turn around and i i do believe like on this on this very topic i would say i am a socialist i do believe we need there needs to be financial assistance and there's so many people not having children and you know they're on. They we need to we need to look at this is this is where if we we throw money away in this country, we throw taxpayers' money away. Why aren't we prioritising helping young families? So then, 
I do believe if we got this right, we could radically decrease the amount of abortions in Australia. I do believe Yeah, that. there's no shortage of um, practical policies that could be put through. And I'd uh, say to anyone in the audience who's listening who is squeamish about um, using the government to achieve their ends, um, that this is something that they need to get over. Um, the reality is that there has been no society, no functioning large society that has had no government. Um, and, and you need to realise that uh, if we ever are going to change the country then uh, and, and make it better, we're going to need to be involved in the government. So you need to lose that. Um, but yes, I think what, so there's no, there's no lack of, um, there's no lack of practical solutions. What's lacking is the will to do it. The um, conviction that uh, Australia is actually worth saving, really. If we can get young guys, especially young white guys, um, middle class, upper middle class, intelligent, uni going um, guys to actually believe that their country is worth, uh, worth anything, then, um, then we could influence the next generation of people who will be involved in government, in finance, in business, and um, by changing their minds, then we can um, we can save Australia. But uh, I think it all begins with a campaign like Australia Month, where we change the culture, we break down the barrier of fear and guilt around our history, um, and we assert uh, boldly that we're proud of Australia, um, that we we believe in her past, present, future. And um, we're going to work to um, advance her interests. Uh, did you guys want to add anything? Or I think we're coming to the end of our time. We can begin to wrap up if you'd like. Yeah, no, that's good for me. Mm, sorry. Well, like, I, I do believe, like, young guys need to think about positioning themselves uh, in... If, if you said worst-case scenario, you, you, there is no political solution, I, I do believe there can be a political solution, but I do also believe that re, you, we have to, you have to start building a circle of mates. You have to position yourself in community, and I would say that the local church is a great place for that, for you, regardless of if you're a Christian or not, I would say go get around a Christian community. It's a great place to find a wife. All, I've been a groomsman seven times. All my brothers, my brother's married. I've been, a groom, I've been a groomsman seven times. Now, I've seen this all take place in the local church where young men, you know what, go join a youth or young adults or even if you're in your 30s, Attend a church, attend a Bible study, volunteer. The women will see you as someone who's consistent if you're in shape, if you make an effort with how you look, if you're consistently coming to church and you're having on a volunteer team, they'll see you as a respectful, attractive male who can provide stability and a future for them. And that's where you're going to position yourself to get a woman of good value, good values as well. And you can be married, you can find a woman, and you can have children, and you can you can have it. But just like when I go on a hunting trip or a fishing trip, I have to uh, have all my – I have to position myself. 
I know I have to go to the, you know, northern New South Wales out west to get the deer I want. I know where I have to be. I have to position myself physically. I have to have the tools and the equipment to get what I want. Now, if you know what you want, you have to go for it and you have to have that wisdom. And there is a pattern. There's a tried, true pattern that has that we have before us and i've seen it time and time again and i'll just encourage you like you can you need we need to do it we need men and women to be married having kids uh making an honest living working hard i'm a concreter just go for it you know, life life can be tough, but guess what? Go for go for it and reap the reward, and you can bloody you can have you can have it all. Start with yourself at that level. When you see a community around yourself, then you go into volunteering for like a political party and doing the practical things. You will get a real sense. You're in a fortress. You you go to England and you see them castles, you see them fortresses. Build a fortress around yourself, the community. And we take it, you take it from circle of friends, circle of friends, uh, church group, volunteer group, charity group, and we can actually turn this around. I'm, I'm guaranteeing it and you can take the white pill and we can turn this around. Yeah, look, I, I agree 100% with you there, Dusty. Um, what, one of the most powerful things we can do um, as, as, as young men is get involved with your local church. Um, that's where you're going to, A, increase your own value, B, find a high-value woman, because um, you're not going to find them on the internet. Like, lads, get off of Twitter. Like you, uh, not not Twitter. Sorry, off of Tinder. Like the 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 modern dating scene and the way it's set up is it's not there for dating. Um, you've got to get out there in your community and get involved. And the only way to do that is to get up off your ass and actually get out there and do it. Yeah, no, that's all great advice. Um, I think we'll wrap it up there, guys. Um, I think the audience probably got a lot of value out of this talk. Um, I hope they understood Australia Month uh, and the reasoning behind it a little bit better, as well as some other topics, um, especially about the broader um, the broader perspective on politics, especially with the Christian angle. Um, I'm going to say goodbye to you guys in a moment, but would you like to plug all of your social media or where where the audience can find you? Yeah, go go. just Google the Bogan Christian Lobby. I've had to rebrand. I decided to rebrand away from uh, the Dusty Bogan, right? You, everyone knows me as Dusty. I'm still the Dusty Bogan, but you'll find me by looking up the Bogan Christian Lobby. Just Google it. I think you cut out again, but uh, yeah, Bogan Christian Lobby, that's where Dusty stuff can be found. Hayes, where do we look for your work? Um, you will find me exclusively on Twitter or X, as it's now known, um, at Hayes underscore media underscore. Um, it's where I post um, daily um, and any future uh, interviews or media coming up uh, will go exclusively over on Twitter because they're the only platform that hasn't attempted to censor me as yet. Yeah, nice. Um... 
And everyone go follow nationalobserver.substack.com. That's where you can find all of uh, the National Observer's articles and our podcast, Backbench Drivers. Uh, This has been another great episode. Thank you to Alden and Dusty for joining me this week. Um, And good luck for the rest of January and uh, happy Australia Month. Thank you for uh, setting this up, guys. Cheers, mate. See ya. Cheers, thanks, guys.